Hello and welcome to another episode of Cheeky Scientist News. I'm Isaiah Henkel and today I want to jump in by talking about an article from Donovan Johnson. An ex-Google recruiter recommends using ChatGPT to enhance resumes. ChatGPT is not going to write an effective resume for you, okay? Your advanced degree, the skills you gained, is too complex. However, you can start the process by uploading your current resume into ChatGPT, saying, here is my resume, here is a job posting, here is my degree, please improve this resume to match or fit the job posting. You can use a prompt like that as a starting point. From there, you can dig into individual parts of your resume, and that's really the crux of this article overall. It says the AI model can, can provide guidance on formatting, eliminating unnecessary fluff, and optimizing content presentation. Through its iterative process, applicants can refine their resumes and present their qualifications in a more compelling and persuasive manner. So you could say, okay, here's my professional summary, whatever ChatGPT comes up with after that first prompt, say, please take the professional summary and try again. Please take the next professional summary and try again. You can say that prompt a few times to see what different professional summaries and collections of bullet points it gives you. You could even drill down to the individual bullet point level. You don't really think a bullet point will fit your current resume. Say, please look at the first bullet point again and provide three more examples. Or please rewrite this bullet point in three different ways. There's another article on this topic, and this is something that we have tested extensively. It works really well when you think about it in terms of drilling down, right, using it to iterate, and getting the best components of the resume possible, and just using those simple prompts, try again, try again, try again, essentially. This article is by Megan Krauss. Can generative AI be used to apply for a job? And of course, the answer is yes. There's some data here, and that's really why I, I pulled this article. In a ResumeBuilder.com survey, 46% of job seekers said they had used ChatGPT to write their resumes and cover letters. Right? Lots of other studies have shown that those resumes and cover letters don't work unless you're iterating in the way that I just described. Now, for those who do iterate, an MIT Sloan report showed, and this was just in 2023, showed that using generative AI to write resumes improves job seekers' chances of being hired by 7.8%. So, if you're using that iterative process that I described, it's gonna increase your chances of getting hired 7.8%. And you can think of it as using AI to get past AI. Employers are using more and more advanced AI to filter out your resumes, so you need to stay on top of what's happening with artificial intelligence when it comes to your job search. This is why we like to cover this at the beginning of our news shows. Uh, there's another article that was published in CNBC by Jennifer Liu, three ways to build AI skills even if you don't work in tech, right? Suddenly, your employability, right, options go through the roof. This is a, is a great article to read on why you should be learning the different AI systems out there, the different platforms, the different apps, and applying it to what you currently know, your current skills. Study after study continues to show that if you list AI skills your ability to use generative AI, whether it's ChatGPT or something else, even for basic tasks, okay, your employability goes up. The likelihood of you getting through AI improves. Think about it, to get through today's AI, they wanna see AI-driven skills. You don't have to be a machine learning specialist. You don't have to be an AI specialist, but learning some of the apps that are out there can be highly effective. If you go onto LinkedIn and scroll through your feed, or you do some searches for AI, you're gonna see a lot of these different 
diagrams of all the different AI that's been produced for different sectors and different skills, like which AI is compensating or taking over certain skill sets. Learn some of those packages, especially the free ones, and then mention it on your resume, even if you're just saying generative AI skills. Your, the chances of your resume getting through, and that's what this article is about, your chances of your resume getting through the ATS systems, the applicant tracking system software, the AI that employers is using, uh, does increase. Um, and there's some examples here of, of what types of jobs and how much more you could be paid if you're putting those skills on your resume. Okay, so make sure that you also practice those skills. Uh, the third point in this particular article says, put your new knowledge to work in some of your routine tasks. So get free accounts for some of those platforms or just use ChatGPT to generate a few things related to skills or, or whatever you're doing, to write certain reports, to write parts of a paper. Now don't use exactly what ChatGPT or similar AI gives you, Right? You have to check your own references, you have to check and make sure anything that it writes for you is correct, but if you're using it and practicing with it, you now have that skill and you can list it on your resume. And that will improve your chances of getting through today's ATS systems. Uh, most job seekers right now are finding that it's harder and harder to get their resumes through these applicant tracking system software. It's because they're looking for new keywords, new skills, and the bulk of the new skills they're looking for are related to AI. Another article, five AI tools to help you with your job search. And I really like this article. There are some tools here that a lot of people haven't become familiar with yet. And it starts by talking about the, a lot of these tools on LinkedIn. Um, so there is a, a particular uh, software package on LinkedIn or, or the algorithm has been changed on LinkedIn to help draft messages to hiring managers. So if you have a premium account on LinkedIn, you can use this feature where, where it'll draft the messages for you. For years and years, we've been promoting the use of scripts, scripts that are proven to get the attention of employees or employers, right? Decision makers or people that are working in the same careers you want to get into, people that can give you employee referrals. Now LinkedIn's AI will write these messages for you and make it specific to that person's LinkedIn profile, saving you a lot of time, but you got to be a premium member. NAV, N-A-V, okay, this is, and it says it right here, a credit score, right, for your career, a credit score. We've been talking about this for about a year or two, how these AI systems all share third-party data with each other, and they keep uh, essentially a reputation score of you in the job market, which is really what your SSI score is on LinkedIn, your social selling index, right? Whether you want to call it a visibility score, a reputation score, a credit score, things are being tracked about you that are saying how good of a job candidate you are, and employers are using this. So if you're getting rejected over and over again, you've probably destroyed your reputation score. If you've applied to a bunch of jobs, hundreds of jobs, because you thought, like research, let's say, or like education in general, that this trial and error process right, was going to get you hired, it's not. Trial and error you know, is rewarded maybe for the scientific method, for research, for education, but in a job search it's punished and you're crushing your reputation score, your visibility score. This NAV score, so this NAV score was founded by Heather and Howard Matalon, and it uses generative AI and its algorithms to give your career and job offers a score. So it flips this around to actually score, right, your, your job offers and things related to your career for your benefit, because the employers have been doing this for a while. Um, think of it as a credit score for how well you're climbing the ladder. It's, it's about getting the kind of advice that you would need from a human resources perspective on critical areas of your career trajectory. So NAV, just N-A-V, all capital, look that up. Uh, 
at Zuna, let AI help you with your interview prep. So just in June, very recently, the job search platform launched, launched it's called Prepper. And it's an interview readiness tool that uses AI to generate questions and feedback to your responses. So if you, if you click on jobs on LinkedIn now, there's this interview prep tool that you can use. And it's already getting a lot of usage that will prep you on different questions, very common questions that you'll be asked. So if you get an interview, those first interviews, you might only have 24 hours, 48 hours notice. You can go to this interview prep tool. It'll generate questions for you so you can practice and you can get ready. Uh, one last one we'll cover here, Cover Letter Copilot, a free service for the dreaded task. So Cover Letter Copilot will write your cover letter for you. It's specific for this. It does a much better job than if you want ChatGPT to write a cover letter. Uh, it's worth trying out at least the free trial. It's specific for cover letters. We've seen it do a, a fairly decent job. And the last AI tool was for, for resignation letters in that article. Let's get to some bread and butter stuff. I want to talk about networking. This article from a Forbes expert panel, it's called 20 comms pros share key networking tips. This is just people that do networking a lot have provided tips to people that may not do networking as much. Maybe you're coming out of academia or you've been in a particular industry job for a while. You don't have a network in the sector you want to get into. These are great strategies. A lot of it's very topical, right? Research the event attendees and topics in terms of how they describe it. But this is important advice. Number one, as I just said, research the event attendees and topics. Most people don't do that or they just do a casual view of who's going to be there. What is the topic about? You want to go deeper than that. You want to figure out who's the host, hostess, etc. Reach out to them beforehand. Ask them if they'll introduce you to a couple people when you arrive. It's their job to make you feel comfortable. They want this to happen. They want people to reach out to them. They tend to be a bit more extroverted. And this can relieve any pressure of you to try to, uh, of having to meet people right away. If you go there, meet the host or hostess, they can introduce you to one or two people right when you arrive. Your goal should be meeting with three to five people total. In fact, I think that's one of the points in this particular article. It says to just meet a couple of key people and then get out of there. You're not supposed to stay for all three hours. Yeah, meet three to five people, number, number 17 on the list. Number two, listen more than you speak, obvious. Number three, remember that first impressions matter, also obvious. But there are some good ones here, right? Having a career path mapped out, you're going to be asked about yourself eventually. You should listen first. Ask people, what are you excited about? What are you working on that you're enjoying right now? Topical questions that elicit a response and get them talking. But at some point, they're going to say, well, enough about me. What about you? So have your elevator pitch ready for that. Focus on quality, not quantity. Number 10 right there, have your 30-second elevator pitch ready. Now, your elevator pitch, and I might talk about this more later as well, should, should really answer three questions. Who you are, what you're looking for, and why other people should care. Who you are should not just be professionally, but also include something personal, maybe a, a hobby as well, to, to, to disarm the person you're talking to so it's not just a bunch of posturing. If you're at a networking event, don't say, I'm looking for a job. I wouldn't necessarily start this. I'm looking to expand my network in XYZ area so the, people, the person you're talking to doesn't feel like a means to an end. And then why, why does it matter? Right? Why is it bigger than yourself? Because you want to see, uh, you want to see your knowledge translated to a product or a service that helps people. You want to meet people in this field because you want to learn more about how to do XYZ or more about right, particular topics in that field. I want to switch, shift gears and talk about interviewing now. Okay? There's an article that came out from Morgan Smith, uh, written by Morgan Smith. This was in CNBC also. The best way to answer, tell me about yourself, 
from a CEO who's done 30,000 interviews. And what the solution is, is to give your elevator pitch. But I like the details here. Somebody who's given that many interviews can tell you really what stands out to them. So the elevator pitch structure that I've talked about previously should still be used. But in this case, he says specifically, the standout candidates are the ones who also show me their where their strengths lie and the kind of work they naturally gain energy from. Now you do wanna make yourself relevant to the role and the culture of the job, but it's important to talk about right, the combination of your strengths, what energizes you, and what the company needs. Thinking of that crossover is really important. What are you really good at? What do you like to do? What do you gain energy from? I, I like the way that that's phrased, which is why I pulled that article. And then what does the company need? What, where is that overlap? That's the, the, really the best way to nail that question. How to answer the seven toughest job interview questions with confidence by Amy Denise, or Denise. Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Again, number one, you're gonna hear that at every interview. How about this one? Where do you see yourself in five years? There's no great answer given here, right? In terms of, it just says, it just kind of beats around the bush a little bit and then says, you can't see the future. What employers want to hear for those questions is you can see yourself at that company. They're not looking for somebody who's going to take the job there and then leapfrog somewhere else. That's, they don't want to be a springboard to something else. So don't talk about how you want to be a manager, especially to a person who's going to be thinking, you want to be my manager, right? Instead, talk about how you're going to be at that company, doing the job even better, serving that company's overall corporate strategy. What's the co corporate's one-year and five-year strategy? That's what you want to match this answer up to. Why do you want this job? You're going to get rationale-based questions, right, all day long for every single interview. What's the answer to this? It comes back to values again. Almost every answer here comes back to values, matching your values to the company's values, your values to the, uh, your, your culture to the company's culture. I like, the, I like the way that they described how to answer this question, though. What is your biggest strength? It says, try answering this one with the same conviction that you might use to describe the way gravity works or the fact that horses stand on four legs. A lot of us try to play down our skills or, or they, we think this is a question to evaluate how humble we can be. It is not. There's no arrogance involved in describing what is known. Okay? If you were to say something like creative problem solving as a strength, how do you know? Examples and cooperation are key. They're the key to answering this question. So show, don't tell your strength. But I like that idea of say it with the same conviction that you would describe gravity to somebody. What is your strength? What do you know you're good at? And, and say, I know I'm good at this. What is your greatest weakness? Right, remember your interviewer has read those pat answers and scripted responses already. So don't, again, try to say, well, my greatest weakness is I work too hard. Here's a chance for you to be vulnerable and show your initiative. Right, what would you do right, if you loved your weakness? You would care for it, either by taking a class to improve yourself, hiring a coach, outsourcing that task to find some, to someone more qualified, or aligning yourself to focus. So when it comes to your weakness, don't shy away from it. Talk about a weakness, but then use the STAR technique, situation, task, action, result, to talk about how you overcame that weakness, especially if you worked with somebody else who may, maybe mentored you through that weakness. Uh, a couple others here. What is your purpose? Why should I hire you? Right? Applicants think that the job interview is about them, the person applying for the job, but it's not. You want to talk about how you want to help the company complete their mission. Right? How can you, what benefits are you going to bring to the company? That question is not about you. Why should I hire you? What are you going to bring to the table for that company? It's listed on the job posting. What, what results do they need you to hit? 
Another article here, I'm not going to be able to read through all of this, 30 sample interview questions and answers for diverse students. I like this because it focuses a lot on fitting into the company's culture and their values, which employers are really, really focused on right now. Right? Can you describe a situation in which you felt like an outsider? How did you handle it? I've heard this one being asked quite frequently. How do you believe your unique background will contribute to the team? Have you faced any particular challenges during your academic career because of your background? How have you handled bias or prejudice in the past? And the answers are all here in this article, right? So for example, when I encountered a prejudice comment during a group project, I addressed it calmly and assertively discussing why the comment was inappropriate and how it could negatively, negatively impact, uh, impact our team dynamic. I believe it's important to create a safe space where everyone feels comfortable expressing their thoughts. How would you contribute to your company's overall diversity and inclusion efforts? Can you describe a time when you had to advocate for diversity and inclusion? If you're not ready for these types of questions right now, you need to be. I highly recommend getting this article because it gives you an answer. It's, it's just literally a list of questions, list of answers. Candidates adjust expectations as employers regain the upper hand. This was just published by Rosemary Scott. And this is something that you know, I've been talking about for a long time. We're out of the phase of the great resignation, which has led to all kinds of problems in the job market, right? From companies still collecting resumes frantically just in case you know, things go crazy again, right? They want to have as many resumes as possible, so there's a lot of ghost job listings. They're not, even, they're not really going to hire. They just are collecting the data and the resumes. And what this article talks about is a lot of data showing that the job market is contracting, especially for skilled work or so-called white-collar work. So if you have a degree, you're in that bucket, and the job market is contracting. It's expected to go down for four to five years. And it's, it's expected to go down for that amount of time because everything is going down slowly, and it's continuing to contract. So since the beginning of this year, it's contracted quite a bit, and it really unpacks this in terms of different statistics. The overall unemployment rate has, is not moving much. Why is that? Because the unskilled job market, think more so-called blue-collar jobs. Right? Think the manufacturing jobs, the uh, retail jobs, the maybe you know, fast food, etc. They can't get enough people for these roles, but for skilled jobs, jobs requiring a degree of any kind, that job market is continuing to contract. So it doesn't mean hang out in academia longer, because academia is getting squeezed as well. Um, enrollment rates for undergrads in uh, academia are at the lowest levels they've been in a long time. Doesn't look like they're going up anytime soon, so the, that tuition decrease is essentially a revenue decrease for the university, so everything's getting crunched in academia. The time to move into industry is still right now, and this just should add a little bit of urgency to you because it's only going to become, things are only going to get more and more into the employer's favor. Just because we're going down from the highest level, as this article talks about, we're going down from the highest level of hiring that's ever, there's ever been for the skilled job market. Where, like this article says, they, employers are not willing to give employees anything they want anymore. They were a year ago, not anymore. So keep that in mind. You always have to know what's going on in the job market. It changes. There's trends. Last topic here is how to find open jobs and what sectors are increasing. So tech has stabilized a little bit, much tougher than it was. And this article, it's called How to Find Open Jobs in Tech Right Now. It is an article in Forbes. And it talks about 
uh, unlocking the hidden job market using built-in. So not just LinkedIn, but built-in. The reason I pulled this article is because I wanted you to be familiar with that name. So if you're looking for a job in tech or something related to that, look, look at built-in online, not just LinkedIn. And then finally, life sciences. We're doing a life science focus today. The hiring has increased despite the job market being tight. So you're going to see these fluctuations. It doesn't mean there's no hiring whatsoever, but you'll see increases in certain sectors, whether it's life sciences, whether it's physical sciences, engineering. You've got to stay on the forefront of this. Right now, we're seeing a, a little bit of a, a mid-year hiring boom. If you have a degree, you have to understand it's different for the skilled job market than the unskilled. In the skilled job market, the most hiring is actually in December, right? right when the holidays are happening, in fact. Why is that? Because companies have to spend their budgets, and they tend to spend their budgets, because if they don't spend their budgets, they're not renewed. They tend to spend their budgets on higher-priced talent. That's skilled labor. But there's also this mid-career bump. The second highest time is in the middle of the year, and, and that's where we're at right now. So if you're looking for a job in the life sciences, any sector, in the middle of the year, right now is the best time to look. The job market might be tight, but it's still your best chance to getting hired, uh, certainly over the next uh, one to two years, maybe even up to the next three to four years. This takes us to the end of today's new show. Start putting your career and your job search first.